Welcome to Heels in the Courtroom, a podcast about successfully navigating law and life, featuring the women trial attorneys at the Simon Law Firm. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Heels in the Courtroom. I'm Mary Simon, and I'm joined today by Erica Slater. Hey. Liz Lenevy. Hello. And Elizabeth McNulty. Hi. And today I want to talk with our listeners a little bit about time management. I know that time management is sort of a concept that spans across all professions. And and as Liz reminded me prior to this episode starting, really just life in general. Uh, Time management applies regardless of profession or whether you're on the job or off the job. It just doesn't really matter. It, It affects every part of our lives. And kind of in brainstorming about time management was thinking about what does time management mean to me? And my life is on a schedule. It, it really is. My whole life is on a calendar. And I think someone could hear me say that and have a very negative reaction to it because things are scheduled. But to me, it gives me comfort. And I don't know if it's just because as an attorney, we all operate on deadlines. Quite frankly, we have our years planned out with trials. Now, obviously, COVID takes a different turn with that. But hey, there's still hope, right? So that being said, the first aspect of time management that I think is probably of the utmost importance is eliminating what is unnecessary. Crossing things off the list so you don't have to do something that is not absolutely worth your time doing. And from the perspective of being a plaintiff's attorney, where we don't have billable hours, we just have trial dates, and we need to do what is necessary to effectively and efficiently work up a case. Erica, I want to talk to you a little bit about eliminating what is unnecessary. When I think about time management, I always think about the concept that we all have the same 24. And the most productive people organize that time in a way that is honoring the commitments that they've made and also being extremely organized about how you use your time. So on the personal side, I've found two things are really helpful to being organizing your time and being efficient. One is good habits. And that is, you know, if you're a person who is health conscious or you have a certain goal in mind, make it a habit and do it at the same time every day, whether it's you work out in the morning on these days of the week or whatever. The more you can make that a habit and carve out that time, the more the time that you save for that goal or habit that you're trying to foster is going to help the rest of your day. The other thing for home is fierce compartmentalizing. (laughs) Be on and off when you are either at work or at home. If you are spending time with your family or giving time to a friend, give 100% of your time to your family and friend in that moment and carve that out. And then when you are at work, give 100% of your time to work so you can keep those separate and you don't have to compromise on either one. The thing that for work purposes is the most effective thing for me for time management is to begin and end the day with organizing my work. So in the morning, I organize by kind of thinking through or writing out actually a task list, and that causes me to find what is important. And in doing that, I'm also eliminating what's not necessary that day. 
And at the end of the day, I kind of go through the same exercise. It's kind of foreshadowing and planning the next day, but it's also an inventory of how I did planning the day I've just worked through. I know I need to do a better job of eliminating what wasn't necessary if I didn't get to the things that were important for that day as well. So you kind of talked about making a task list each day. And that is something that I do as well. And part of the thing that I find is difficult about making a task list, especially, and it must just be a personality thing. I don't know if you guys share the same sentiment, but I really have to work hard at being flexible once I set my task list. And so if I have time carved out, especially working at home with I'm going to be preparing for a deposition at this time, or I'm going to be spending time with family at this time, if something in the plans change or things get pushed around, I really have to take a second and talk myself down to be like, this is okay. It's okay for things to change, but it, it just reinforces the need to rearrange that time management. If something isn't getting done during the two hours that I wanted it to get done, it doesn't mean it's not going to. It just means I need to rework the schedule maybe for later in the week or the next day. And Liz, I'm curious from your perspective, I know that we've kind of talked about it's helpful to eliminate what's not necessary and it's good to have goals. What do you think about that balance between setting goals and making lists of things that you want to cross off your list? And I know you have them because I've seen them before in that like black notebook on your desk. I've seen it before and I've copied it. Can I just say I love that black notebook. It's like your adult professional planner. Yes, I bought one after I saw Liz had one. Liz, I haven't told you that until this moment. So thank you for the inspiration. I'm really glad you're also inspired by my childhood neuroses. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll tell you, actually, I have gone away from the black notebook since COVID. So instead of my black notebook, I actually have a weekly planner. And what I do is I write down, wait for it, I write down all of the things that I have on my to-do list. And as the week goes, I can add in things. And when I look back at my day, I can say, these are all the things that I accomplished. And also, sometimes that works out well. If I couldn't remember when exactly I finished something, I can go back and say, oh yeah, I finished that last Tuesday. And so at least what I have found comforting in my daily planner is if something gets bumped back and I don't accomplish exactly what I want to do that day, I can see what took up my time. I will still make a log of what I did that day. So I know I still took advantage of my 24 like you said, Erica. When I say we all get the same 24, in my head, I really mean we all get the same 16 because my sleep's not negotiable. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't want you all to think, I, don't let me parade as someone who's like working around the clock. That eight, that eight hours is built into your 24. Exactly. Some people don't take out that large of a chunk, but I sure do. Yeah, it's necessary. That's not something to eliminate as unnecessary. No, don't manage your time by reducing your sleep. (laughs) Right. I really like that concept because it's almost like it's affirming, right? If you don't hit all the things on your task list, but you're able to keep a log of what you did get accomplished, it still gives you reason at the end of the day to be proud of yourself for what you've accomplished. And that's really important, especially while we're all working at home. Exactly. These are my daily affirmations. Some people look in the mirror and tell themselves, I am smart. I am worthy. I look back at my daily planner and said, I wrote this motion. I made this phone call. I am proud of myself today. Is it color coded? 
It is not color coded. I'm it, just it saying, is occasionally highlighted. <laughs> it it wouldn't surprise me if it was. One of the things that I find difficult is setting realistic deadlines. Whether it's in my personal life or my work life or the mix between, I always am to kind of go back to our conversation on ambition. I am ambitious as hell. Like I will have the most unrealistic deadlines for myself, kind of setting myself up for disappointment, which is why now I'm going to try Liz's trick of just writing down the things I did accomplish. But Elizabeth, have you found a balance yet in law or maybe just in life experience yet about what goals you can set realistically on a realistic time frame for yourself? I wouldn't say I've found a balance, but I think I've definitely gotten better at it. And I am a true type A procrastinator. So I tend to wait until the last minute to do things, but I'm like very organized in doing them. And I I generally give myself enough time, but because I know I will wait to the last minute, I have to set deadlines for myself, which can be difficult when you're working closely with other lawyers and things always come up. And I think I've learned that a lot in the past year that I might get interrupted in what I'm doing and I might have to set it aside and come back to it. So I need to make sure that I give myself enough time to get things done. I'm not someone that blocks out time and doesn't look at emails. I've heard people do that. I just am not one of those people. So I guess I do multitask a bit which isn't helpful all the time. I am the same way as you, Elizabeth. I feel like a Pavlov's dog. I get that notification that I have a new email in my work inbox and I gotta I gotta look at it right now. It, it can't wait. And I think part of that is because I do work for a more senior attorney and a lot of times I will get more urgent emails and I don't want to wait two, three hours to get her a response. I think that at least in our office, the more experienced attorneys do that sort of blocking off time for emails. And that's something that is probably more afforded to more experienced attorneys who don't necessarily have to answer to anyone else in the office. And may I don't know, maybe it's just because of our generation, too. We have sort of been trained to always be on our email, always be on. So, Erica, do you think multitasking is a good thing or a bad thing, or does it just depend I'm really glad you asked that, and I'm so happy that this is an episode that Amy isn't here because I'm going to tell a story on her while she's not here, (laughs) and it has to do with recording this podcast. So I think it was in season one, the anti-work-life balance episode, still one of my favorites. In that episode, I think I said something about, oh yeah, and then multitasking, which isn't a thing, and I remember Amy sitting right next to me had this like visceral reaction and like rolled her eyes and like she said everything she needed to because you know that like she's heard people say that and she's like okay show me how that works for you we all have to multitask so honestly since that time it kind of made me think about it and inevitably we all multitask and lawyers I think by necessity, have very high executive functioning, which makes us, for the most part, good multitaskers, whether it's an efficient thing to do or not. So I've come to terms with the fact that it's necessary. I've come to terms with the fact that I'm going to do it at the risk of being unproductive sometimes. It makes me feel a little scattered, but I have gotten much better at 
at blocking time where I multitask and then blocking time where I don't. So if I need to prepare for a deposition or I really need to spend time digging into a set of medical records or something like that, I have practiced, and it has been very beneficial, blocking off time and turning away from my phone and my computer to do those tasks, and I get them done much more efficiently. They stick in my brain much better because there's no other distractions. I'm at the point in my career where I'm starting to learn where those lines are, what those tasks are. I think Early on when I started practicing, I do remember having a hard time with not answering every phone call. Multitasking really does feel like a muscle and you just get better at it as you progress in this job. Elizabeth, you mentioned something about you know you're going to get interrupted. You know there will be interruptions. And something that I read about as far as successful time management skills, one that kept coming up over and over again was reduce interruption. And part of that is firmly being able to reduce interruption, which, you know, can go into many different aspects of your life, whether it's setting boundaries for yourself or taking time for yourself. The question is up for whoever wants to answer it, but how do you reduce interruption? I love letting calls go to voicemail if I don't recognize the number. Because what that does is the person will leave a voicemail and they will give me an indication of what it is they want to talk about. So before I call them back, I can look up the file. If it's a client that wants an update on the case, I may not have that information off the top of my head, but I can go back and check emails and check what was the last thing we filed and where are we at. And that way when I call them, I can make the best use of my time and and their time, frankly, in giving them that update. Or if it's an insurance adjuster and they want to talk about XYZ, I can look up exactly what it is that they're asking about. I'm opposite with emails. Emails I have to answer right away. Phone calls I will let go to voicemail. I have advice for being the interrupter. I think that <laughs> as someone who works <laughs> with a more experienced attorney, I often interrupt what that person is doing. And I think that it's important for maybe people in those positions to recognize, like, if they don't have the time to talk to me or whoever's interrupting them, don't, like, tell them to come back. Because I'd much rather have your undivided attention than, like, you trying to do 18 things at once and then, like, not having the time to talk to me. I think that as the interrupter, you have to ask if people have time to talk to you. And if they don't, they should say that they don't have time to talk to you. And you should respect that. So I, maybe I should start trying to do that when I get interrupted. I don't know if it'll work well for me, but well, I'll report back. You can totally tell when the person on the receiving end is completely absent of what words are coming out of your mouth. So right. it is important to be cognizant of that in another person's time to say, we're going to put a pin in this and we'll talk about it later. Right. I'm someone who is both interrupter and interrupted. I don't know if that's the right word, but sure. I think the best strategy for regardless of the position you're in is to build as many questions as you have at one time so that you can sit down and have that conversation and and make sure that if someone is coming to you for advice, if you are in some sort of supervisory position over someone, explaining that that is the best way to do things. And I can think of one example where I had a particular law clerk who had a lot of questions, which is fair. They're learning. 
but this particular clerk's style of getting the questions asked was to visit me multiple times during the day and ask multiple questions. And so I had to sit this person down and say, you know, maybe we can have a designated time. 1 p.m. right after lunch, come talk to me about what questions you may have. I think setting boundaries with people is a really good way to reduce interruption and make the best use of everyone's time. I know every single person on this episode has scheduled a day that in the middle of the day you're just way too stressed out and you don't know how you're going to finish all the things that you set out to accomplish. Part of time management is dealing with your stress, just dealing with the stress when you're in a day where it's meeting after meeting after meeting or multiple hearings or you just have a packed day. One way to be successful with time management is also finding what works for you in terms of dealing with stress when the task list is sort of piling up or you have that moment in the middle of the day when you're like, man, I really need to just step back for a second because I'm starting to feel really anxious or stressed about this work. And I, I'm curious to hear from you all, what do you do in the in that moment where you just know you need a little bit of a breather, but it's not quite carved out in your day? Do you step out? Do you just work through it and chalk it up as part of what you're doing and it's required? Or are you able to find kind of an outlet for a little bit? I have a really hard time taking a break when I know something needs to get done. I always organize my time as like, get all the work done and then you can relax. <laughs> and it's not it's not the most healthy thing to do, but I always power through and look forward to the break that I'm inevitably going to take either later on that night or whatever. So I can sit down and work on a task for 12 hours straight if that's what needs to get done without taking a break because that's how I'm wired. So I think it's probably individualized other people would absolutely need to take a walk or refocus before they could take on all the work that they know they have to get done in a certain amount of time. I think one thing that's going to be helpful now is maybe even during those moments, I'm going to start writing down the things I already accomplished because <laughs> I'm like, oh man, I still have a lot to do, but look at all this stuff I already got off my list. And you know, it's kind of therapeutic to write it out too. So maybe that's what I'll start doing when I think I need a breather. My wife gets mad at me all the time when I'm like going a million miles a minute even it getting stuff done at home. And she's like, why don't you sit down for a minute? And I'm like, no, absolutely not. Why would I do that? Things need to get done. What works for me is planning my, my breaks. And something that I have tried to develop over the last, again, six months during COVID is planning mental health days, which I know sounds I'm sure there's someone rolling their eyes at that, and that's fine. You don't have to believe in it. I personally do, and I think that it is, it's been really good for me. Uh, I find that I am more efficient after I have given myself that little treat. My husband has a very busy practice as a CPA, and so we struggle to find time to spend with each other. What we do is we will two, three weeks in advance talk about, hey, are you available this morning? Two weeks ago, we planned on a random weekday morning to go pick apples. That was our mental health break. And then we got back in the afternoon and went back to work. But as far as time management, I think that if you really want to be efficient, you have to understand that we're human beings and there's going to be a breaking point where 
you have worked so many hours, you are no longer efficient. You are just someone staring at a laptop. And it, it's really important to learn that balance between being efficient, but also knowing when to stop and when to let yourself recharge. The last aspect of time management that I wanted to bring up in this episode is what you all think the most difficult aspect of time management is. And I'll tell you that mine, as of late, has been staying on a single task, and it's because of the interruption. Working at home, if another attorney calls me, I have no idea what they're calling me about, and I have no idea of how important it is, how much of a priority it is. So I just find myself picking up the phone a lot more. But since we're all at home, normally when we could just pop in each other's office for a couple minutes to ask a question, now I feel the urge to pick up the phone, especially when it's lawyers at our office, because I always want to stay in communication with you all. What do you all think about the most difficult aspect of time management? Well, Mary, now I'm thinking twice about when I call you during the day. No, I, I always <laughs> want attorneys to call me. That's the thing. It's almost, that's why it's this hard moment because I miss all of the attorneys so much. So anytime someone calls me, I'm like, yes, I get to talk with one of the lawyers at the office. So I love it. Please keep calling. And I know, Erica, that you and I both have this mutual respect for each other and everyone else that if I was in the middle of something, I will just shoot you a text that says, hey, let me call you back. Like you did that the other day and it was the generic, I can't talk right now. And when she finally called me back, she's like, I'm sorry, I hit that generic response. I just was in the middle of something. Now I just know that that's part of working at home is that you're you're on your phone more in communication with people because otherwise we would just walk down the office. I have learned that the two things that have most improved my time management are also things that I've only learned with experience. And those things are, one, knowing the difference between urgent and important and knowing what is a priority and what needs to be, the house is on fire, this has to get done now, and what things are important, but they can absolutely be deprioritized. And for better or worse, across the board, I see younger attorneys think everything needed to be done yesterday. And that's coming from someone, I have like an undying sense of urgency and I'm super impatient and I'm self-professed, both of those things. And that's probably why it took me quite some time and experience to learn the difference between what's urgent and what's important. The other thing that has been super helpful for me and I do think was a very hard thing to learn was kind of that concept of, I don't work for the opposing counsel. And I am in control of my schedule, and I can move anything that needs to be moved. So even when I look at a crazy week of five depositions or something like that, there's often times where I say, yeah, I'm going to, you know, get the gusto and I'm going to work through all those things, and I have the time to prepare and prioritize and manage. If I look at a week that might sneak up on me or for whatever reason it is just packed, And I don't think that I'm going to be able to efficiently get everything done to the level of preparedness and the level of work product that I'm expecting, then I start moving things. And that's fine. It's totally fine to move a depot. It's totally fine to move 
a lot of the types of things that we schedule, and I no longer let those things rule me or, sh- or stress me out. I just move them and make that a better situation, and that helps work. That helps improve my work product and all the other things that are going to get done that week. So just really taking ownership and c- controlling your schedule and learning the difference between urgent and important. And I agree 100% with controlling your schedule. And sometimes that means understanding your own capacity as a person. And that is something that I actually recently had to deal with. I have joined an organization and I was given a leadership role in there, which I happily accepted. But then on top of that leadership role, they wanted me to then take over a secondary role. And I had to have a very frank conversation with these folks of, I am not willing to do that right now because I know how busy this portion of next year is going to be with me right now with all of our cases getting rescheduled and trials getting reset. I know how busy I'm going to be. And I had to have a very honest discussion with them of, it would not be fair to me to put that much stress on myself. And it's also not fair to the organization if I can't fully dedicate as much time as as needed. So that's something that I think for time management, just understanding your capacity, which is a really hard thing to do when you are a young lawyer, because all of this is new. You don't know what your capacity is because you've never been pushed to it yet. So that is another sort of growing pain that we learn as we practice more. The hardest part about time management for me is being flexible. There are many, many days where I sit down, I write out what I'm going to do that day. And at the end of the day, none of that gets accomplished because there were interruptions with tasks that were much more important than the things that I had planned to do that day, which is totally fine. But sometimes, you know, I'm a little more rigid where I don't feel like I've accomplished anything because I didn't get to do any of the things that I felt like I needed to do that were a part of my job. So I think that that can be frustrating, but you just have to learn to be flexible and I'm getting better at it. But I also think working from home, it's kind of, there's no real end point. So I think that setting boundaries is also an important aspect of time management. And as someone that does get interrupted, I think that it makes it even more important, the concept of time management, because You have to be respectful of other people's time, especially like staff. So when you put things off to the last minute, that inevitably pushes things off to them that gets left to the last minute. So I think that you have to keep that in mind. So you have to set those kinds of management for yourself and set deadlines so that you can accomplish things within enough time so that the next person has time to do the things that they need to do with whatever that task is. And I think on that note, I want to be respectful of all of your time. So (laughs) why don't we go ahead and wrap up this episode? I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. And I'm hoping that each one of you were able to take something away to make yourself even more successful in time management. If you have any comments or questions or you want to reach out to us, please do. You can email us at comments at heelsinthecourtroom.law. And be sure to tune in next Wednesday. Bye. 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 Heels in the Courtroom is brought to you by The Simon Law Firm. Connect with Amy, Liz, Mary, Erica, or Elizabeth at heelsinthecourtroom.law.